Broadcasting from the UNMC College of Nursing, get ready for RN Huddle, the podcast dedicated to bringing hot topics for and by nurses to the table. Hello, everyone, and welcome to RN Huddle. This is Heidi Keeler, your host, coming to you from the College of Nursing at UNMC Omaha, Nebraska. This episode of RN Huddle will continue the conversation with Dr. Sasha Shilkut, who has really been a, a national player on gender issues and women in the workplace. And today, we'd really like to talk about some of your national movements, uh, some of your professional accomplishments in this area. We are just so proud to have you as uh, one of our UNMC physicians. And I just know that we can have a wonderful conversation on the work that you've done and, and be able to translate it to all members of the healthcare team. So thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Well, thank you, Heidi. That is so nice. What a lovely introduction. I, I'm really honored to be here. I feel like I, I, know I do have many friends in the College of Nursing, and I consider all of you uh, like very close. And so I'm honored to be here and speaking to your audience. I, you know, it's interesting because I never pictured in my career that this is the path that I would be on currently. I'm a cardiac anesthesiologist and the first decade of my career, I really focused on cardiac surgery and anesthesia and echocardiography. And and then I found myself very burned out about five years ago and in a very low place in my life where I realized that I had lost my own identity. I was a doctor and a mom and there was really no me left. And I think it's very easy for us to do in healthcare because it's easy to always put others first in our jobs. And that's really what makes us good nurses and good physicians is putting the patient first. But oftentimes, we also are mothers, many of us, and we then put, we go home and we put our families first, or maybe it's our ailing parent or our spouse. And at the end of the day, I think most of us as women who are trying to balance career and family have very little time for ourselves. And so I started a group where I sent out a text to nine other women and I said, do you want to be my friend? (laughs) (laughs) Like on the playground because I was very isolated. We we laugh, but a lot of us are really relating to that. (laughs) (laughs) And from that grew a Facebook group. And then I became, I decided I was going to kind of come out of the closet, so to speak, and uh, start a website, which is called Brave Enough. And it's really for all women. A lot of women in healthcare are on the site, but it's, it's a, I talk about my struggles, being a mom, being a physician, being a entrepreneur, having a voice. Um, I talk about all of that. And mostly I try to encourage women to connect with other women because I think we learn from when other women share their stories. That's when we can learn so much about ourselves and it normalizes perhaps our own struggles or failures. And we can, you know, find Everything from, you know, how do you, how, how do you get your laundry done this in a week to how do I put together and ask for a raise to how do I, how I'm really struggling with this, you know, season of my life trying to get to my kids events and be a career woman and how do I do all these things? So 
Now that is a lot of my academic focus is actually on publishing and doing gender research. But I've written a book called Between Grit and Grace, which is coming out in February of 2020. And I, I really feel honored that something that came out of a very low place in my life has grown to something positive. Well, I know that all of us here at UNMC are so incredibly proud that you have revealed yourself, so to speak, (laughs) and really were brave enough to bring these issues forward. And the book, as you've mentioned in the past, is really not just your story, but, um, but is the story of many others. What can you tell us about what we would find in Grit and Grace? So the book is about how you can be what to me is a leader. I think women often think, I'm not a leader. But, they, but you lead yourself. Every day when you step out of bed, you lead yourself. You make choices. And it, the more empowered you are as an individual, the more peace you actually have in life because the more you are able to set up boundaries and make choices that are the best for you. And I, the book is about, I put the book um, together with content exercises and internal reflection questions all throughout the book. So it's really like a workbook. And I have stories of women in there because I think so often when we're faced with adversity, either in our professional or our personal life, we feel like we are the only people that are going through this. And what have I done to deserve this? Or why is this happening to me? Or why don't I have the skills to avoid this obstruction? Or why is suddenly there's this boulder in my path? Or why is this so hard? Or why am I failing? And when you read and you see or you hear from other women that have actually gone through it and learned and survived and overcome it, It is so encouraging to you when you are in that low place. So all throughout the book, I have stories of other women and then I have reflection exercises because the thing that women often don't have is time with themselves. We we don't take the time to really go inward and think about our own health and well-being. And when we do have an hour... We're like, oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta change out the laundry, or I gotta go to Target, or I better clean out this drawer, or oh my goodness, I gotta send a birthday card to this person. It's never, oh, I have an hour. I'm going to sit with in solitude and journal, or I'm going to ask myself some hard questions, or I'm gonna think about, I'm gonna take a walk outside in the sun. Right. We just don't do that. You mentioned that uh, this movement really came from when you were in a a darker place in your life. And, you know, we know that uh, lots of times when you're in those places, um, depression can seep in and and that depression is very isolating. And so one of the best ways to to combat being isolated is to connect with other people, Mm -hmm. right? So for someone who's out there who's really identifying with what you're saying, how can this book and the Brave Enough website, how do you think that that can help them? That is a great question. I would invite anyone who's feeling alone, any woman who's listening that's feeling like she's failing at everything, but yet she's trying at everything, <laughs> um, to check out the website. I have a lot of free resources on there, writings, blogs from other women also, that just to encourage you and some tools to to kind of overcome some common thought distortions that we have as women. You know, we have so much pressure on ourselves as women in 2020. It is unbelievable. 
the average American woman is supposed to accomplish in a day. I mean, it's bananas if you actually <laughs> list it all out. I'm sure nobody <laughs> listening can relate to that. <laughs> so I think the first thing is to to be brave enough to reach out. What I did personally was I was such I was in such a bad place. I didn't even know the first thing I needed to do mm-hmm. to help myself get back on track. So I started just giving myself 30 minutes a day, which was actually quite radical mm-hmm. to try to find 30 minutes a day. That led me to have time to really start reflecting on my life and how I had no work boundaries. I had very little. And then I, out of that kind of year of doing that, I realized how few friendships I had with other mm-hmm. women. So I would encourage women listening to connect, even if it's just with one person. And sometimes there's a lot of fear as when we're adults as women to reach out and like start a new friendship, it's scary. It's, it's Mm -hmm. awkward. You know, it's like, Oh gosh, is she going to think I'm weird that I'm asking her to be my friend at age 40 or whatever. But, but I think that it's something that is really valuable in our adult life is we tend to think of friendships as like a positive, like a plus thing or like an extra thing that maybe you do once a year or something. But it's vital when you're going through the hardest times of your life to have friendships. It's interesting to bring up the friendship conversation because I wonder how many folks listening are relating to this and thinking when I was young and I didn't have any harsh work responsibilities, I had lots of friends. And now as I get more accomplished in my profession or I take on new roles, I'm not seeing that as much in my life. So I'm wondering, you mentioned that you have really dedicated your academic career to doing this gender research. And one of the ways that we can empower ourselves is by using the data and the literature to make our case for really concentrating on taking care of ourselves. Do you have any thoughts on what you found as you've been doing this research? What kinds of things has come out of the research that we can hold on to? There's definitely some things that have been surprising to me. I think when you think of women who work in healthcare, we have some of the most educated women in the in the world that work in healthcare. And yet the pervasive thing that I see a lot is imposter syndrome. And oftentimes people don't realize that imposter syndrome or the inability to internalize your accomplishments is highly associated with intelligence and accomplishments. So the more successful you are, actually the more imposter syndrome you might have. So you may be looking at a woman in the workplace that maybe you want to be her friend or maybe you think she she inspires you or you have commonality. Maybe you meet her at your kid's soccer game or something, but you're intimidated by her. And so you don't think that you two could connect. Most likely, she's probably has imposter syndrome as much as maybe you do. And you could probably strike up a friendship. And so I think sometimes one of the things that's come out in a lot of the studies I've done and the, what, the literature that I've read is it's always surprising to me how often women share common struggles, mm-hmm. but we are, we, sh- we are isolated. And there is so much, there's even you know, major studies, the huge study of nurses study that was done, you know, decades ago that showed that 
the more isolated you are as you age, the more health risk factors you you have. Mm-hmm. Even there's been recent cancer studies that show that you know if you have a friendship, it doesn't even have to be family, but if you have a close friendship and you're going through chemotherapy, your likelihood of having successful rates is higher just having a friend. So In I our think elderly population too, this is a very huge problem of isolation and mm-hmm. loneliness. Yes, and so I think I have found it to be very interesting that I. The research that I've done has changed the way I look at other women. When I see a very successful woman who may have a label of a queen bee, or maybe she's harsh, or maybe, you know, we all know those women who we respect those women, but we don't really want to invite them to have a latte. (laughs) I look at those women different now. I think that woman is probably very isolated and probably needs a friend. So for our listeners who aren't as involved in the research, As we are here at UNMC, uh, we know that imposter syndrome is something that we're very conscious of here at UNMC. We have several experts in it. Can you just redefine what that is and and how we might address it? So imposter syndrome is probably, if you're listening, you've probably experienced it. It's an actual psychological phenomenon that happens when you have, you dismiss your abilities or you are asked to do something and you think they've gotten the wrong person. There's no way. Or you think that your success is based solely on just luck and that you don't deserve it. And that if people really knew who you were and really knew your skills or really knew your intelligence, they would never ask you to do this. So this just happened to me recently where I was asked to do a television interview. And I literally said on the phone to the person asking me, I think you have called the wrong number. I mean, this is what came out of my mouth before I even thought it. And they said, For no, no. a person who has accomplished so much nationally <laughs> no. to think that you would, that would be your first response. It was. was so surprising. And, and it's funny because even when I was telling my husband, I called my husband right afterwards and I was so shocked. And he said, I said, I, I just don't want to tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. I, this is what I told my husband. Don't tell anybody because I think they're going to realize that they messed up. And he was like, honey, you, you really have imposter syndrome because I don't see myself as someone that would ever do that or anyone would ever ask me to uh-huh. do that. So it's very common. And what we, do we do to combat that? I mean, if you realize that you're falling into that, what do you do? Well, the first thing to do is to recognize it, like, and to help each other. We can help each other. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you just saying, why would you ever think that Sasha is very helpful? Mm-hmm. Like, so when you see that your friends are having this, um, or maybe you have a friend and she was asked to give a talk or asked to give a presentation and she's like, oh, I, I can't do that. Uh, that's not my thing. Recognize that. Ask her, are you having thoughts about that? Like, what are your thoughts? And, and just recognizing it is the biggest thing. And then I always tend to think, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? So, <laughs> so like, I think the, the worst thing is what everyone's afraid of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I kind of work through that in my mind, and it helps me calm down. Um, I try to look at the objectiveness of the situation, right. and then it kind of helps me come back to reality. Well, we know with imposter syndrome, it's really important to to identify it because there are some tendencies that someone with imposter syndrome has that can really put them on a a one-way course to burnout, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so highly associated with overachieving, inability to say no to things, feeling like you have to do everything, and then also perseverating on any imperfection. So 
good example of this is I gave a TED talk and I came off the stage and I called my husband immediately. He couldn't be there. And the first thing I said, he said, how'd it go? How'd it go? I said, oh, it went good, but I mispronounced a word. He said, he's like, oh my gosh, like you, you are going to drive me insane because I was perseverating on this one word that I mispronounced in the TED talk. And he's like, but, but but she gave it and you did it. And let's focus on the fact that you said hundreds of words that you didn't mispronounce. So it's, it's associated with perfection and perseveration too. So it's good that you recognize that you have it. Right, right. This is something that I have seen in some of my nursing colleagues in that you view them as so successful and so learned, so intelligent, someone that you really want to aspire to be. And and they doubt uh, yes. what what they're doing, and they they do they they focus on the little things that you know we do as humans. <laughs> we forget that we're human. So um, this is just uh, you know your work is so important, and and you're so inviting for all women to take part in your work, in your website, and to read your book and to really find solutions for some of the things that we're struggling with. Do you have any last minute thoughts for our listeners on maybe something that we haven't touched on yet that could, could help women in this balance? I think the more I talk to women and travel and speak, the more I realize that we are very similar. All of us have similar struggles, no matter where we live, the color of our skin, our job. And I would encourage women to reach out and connect with one another and overcome those, those feelings of insecurity or fear. There's nothing more valuable than having a good friend that you can rely on in the workplace, outside of the workplace. So that's what I would leave. Perfect. Perfect. And so for the listeners who want to find the website, how do they find it? Yeah, it's becomebraveenough.com and you can sign up. I do a little 30 second blurb every Monday morning goes to your inbox and it's just encouragement. Um, So if you want to get on that mailing list and you can find the book on Amazon or Target or Barnes and Noble, it's called Between Grit and Grace. And you also have a podcast. I do called The Brave Enough Show and it's primarily for women from all professions. So you're more than welcome to look that up on iTunes. Perfect. Thank you so much for all that you're doing and all of your accomplishments and for really being vulnerable and open and honest with us. It's really so helpful. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Heidi. Well, that's it for this episode of RN Huddle. I do want to mention that although we have focused on gender issues and resources for women in this podcast today, that for our male nurses listening, These are relevant for you as well, Uh, having female colleagues. It's really interesting and and important to know how they're viewing the workplace. And, you know, imposter syndrome is something that affects males, females, anyone um, of any, any gender, any ethnicity, anyone can suffer from imposter syndrome. So it's really important to learn more about that and to learn how to address it in your own, uh, in your own life, in your own profession. So with that, we're going to call this episode to a close. Thank you so much for listening to RN Huddle. We really hope to see you back here next time. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to RN Huddle. To stay connected, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at UNMC CNE or check out unmc.edu slash CNE for more program information.